You're tuned in to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. Shift Happens airs every Tuesday from 2 until 4 in the afternoon. And re-airs every Sunday from 11 until 1. Shift Happens, making positive change one shift at a time. So in today's show, we're going to be interviewing a Ghostbuster. Oh, yeah. We're interviewing Val Frazier, and she is one of the founding members of a paranormal investigations group. So we are interviewing my best friends, well, best friend from college. And I think he's still my best friend. It's just I haven't talked to him much in the last 20 years but anyway we're talking to his wife and we've had her on the show before a couple of years ago hasn't it a very popular show we had a lot of great feedback by the way val so the best friend's wife is val frazier oh sorry <laughs> typical male right <laughs> I, I i i'm not answering that <laughs> <laughs> okay well, I'm glad you refrained. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, originally, I wanted to reach out to Val before Halloween this year because her line of work is kind of in alignment with Halloween, or at least in my mind. Can you tell us what it is that you like to do with your spare time, Val? sit around, watch TV, eat potato chips. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I actually uh, have a uh, ghost investigating group, and uh, we help people with their hauntings, um, paranormal experiences, um, uh, dealing with fears or, or um, questions they may have. They think their house or their business or themselves may be haunted. And that's what I like to do. We, you told us some really interesting stories about your experiences as a ghost investigator last time. Um, has anything interesting happened in the last uh, while since we talked to you? Um, no, I have actually been pretty low key. And, um, you know, it's funny how this happens. You get bombarded with um, all kinds of requests for people wanting you to help them. And then all of a sudden you have a quiet period. And it seems like there isn't much happening and nobody's really um, um, getting uh, bothered or anything. So I'm wondering if some of this stuff is cyclical or it has to do with some sort of, um, I don't know, just uh, something that is, is, uh, has to do with the natural world that kind of makes the veil thin sometimes and then it thickens again. Um, between uh, our world and the spiritual world. So but nothing has, nothing um, other than, you know, the normal, the normal stuff. People will tell me their stories about, you know, oh yeah, I, they'll tell me I lived in a haunted house and I lived in it for 12 years and, 
And I loved it. It was great. And then you have other people saying, yeah, I, I moved into an apartment and I was sleeping and the door slammed and I moved out the next day. And <laughs> so, um, other than, you know, people telling me their stories and stuff, I haven't really had, uh, um, anybody, uh, requesting anything, um, as far as, you know, that was worthy of telling about. That's interesting. It's, it's, do you think that maybe your work in the area has, is having an impact and the, the souls that are trapped have been helped enough to move on. And so they're not being haunted. You know, that's an interesting thought. I never thought of that before. I know that the clients that I've had in the past, um, um, the majority of them I have helped um, to release what's been happening to them. And um, and then I have uh, two or three, uh, one that has a haunted hotel in Eastern Oregon, and um, she wants me to come back because it's haunted and she wants it to stay that way. And um, she wants me to come back and see if I can get any um, new uh new evidence or anything that she could share and, and stuff like that. And then I have another client who, uh, had, um, was being haunted, uh, pretty, oh, uh, well, I wouldn't say it was the severest case, but you know, pretty steadily. And I helped her quite a bit with hers and, uh, moved on some spirits and closed a portal in her house and, and stuff like that. But she contacts me on a fairly regular basis. Um, just to keep in touch. So I have some clients that keep in touch and keep me posted on if anything's changed and, and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, I never thought of that before, but I do, I do feel like there are some towns that really need a whole town cleansing. I mean, seriously, they just need the whole town, the whole area to be just, um, re just hit the reset button. And, uh, do you think that's what about the White House? That probably <laughs> needs to be done too. Oh, I'm sure the White House probably could be, and it probably might uh, might help our country a little bit. I wouldn't doubt it because sometimes these spirits can influence the living, and because um, they just don't want to, they don't want to leave uh, uh, leave behind their influence. They want to still be able to influence and have you know, a part in our living world. So they, sometimes they find a person that they can, uh, influence and, um, that probably might help. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this hotel you were talking about, they want to keep the ghosts around because that's part of their, their sort of marketing, uh, slant is the fact that they're haunted. She doesn't actually um, advertise it. If people ask her, she will tell them because sometimes when people will come um, down uh, to the, uh, what do you call it, the front desk, and um, they will say, hey, you've had anything go on here? Because, you know, I was in room such and such, and um, I had somebody come stand by my bed and, you know, try to wake me up. And, and then I open my eyes, there's nobody there. And and, you know, different things. And she'll, then she'll, you know, tell them, you know, yeah, this is definitely it's a turn-of-the-century hotel, and uh, it was built for the railroad uh, workers and as they, as they were building the railroad, and so it was here, you know, for them. And so there's been a lot of history involved in this hotel, and, and we have several, you know, several spirits that, that live here. Mm. It's kind of, you know oxymoron there but mm -hmm. they 
designed there. Yeah. So um, she she doesn't actually market it. She likes to have you know um, this stuff for herself, and in case anybody asks, she can let them know. But um, you look at the hotel, and you you get that vibe like, hmm, that's kind of yeah, be a little creepy to stay in there. I think we have one of those in Nelson. Uh, they have a a bar in the hotel called Spirit Bar. Oh wow! Yeah, and the hotel is is known to be haunted. Oh wow! Anything negative or all positive, or just kind of neutral? I haven't heard anything particularly negative. Just that there are spirits there. I think the spirits told them to raise the prices, though. <laughs> I told you those spirits, man, they can get influence. They will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they you keep their, you know, see through noses out of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see through noses. That's good. So you were saying that some areas in general need to be cleansed. Do you think that's because of like um, a situation where a lot of people died at once in a traumatic fashion? Or why do you think it is that some areas just seem to have a lot of spirits? Well, I think I. It's interesting because um, the experience I have is that the areas that are very haunted and seem to have, um, like, there are groups, like, first of all, in Springfield, Oregon, which is not very far from where I live, there's a whole area. I could draw a circle around it on a map. And that we've had so many people asking for help in those areas. And lately, we haven't, but that area, in that particular area, I believe, um, was as that area's always been uh, had the the um, propensity to hold spiritual energy, and I think it's been back before you know when the Native Americans um, first went there. I mean, the, uh, the there's one area in Washington that um, we went to that is uh, can't remember the name right now, but it's a little town, and you drive out into you know, have to drive windy roads to get to it. And um, it is that area, the Native Americans named it um, uh, the, the uh, Valley of Lost Children. And, and then it's also been called um, uh, the Demon Valley. This is Native Americans called, called this valley this. And, um, and then um, through, it has been, that area has been, uh, has been, the largest fire um, in uh, history in Washington State. Um, in that area, it wiped out this fire, wiped out the whole town at the turn of the century, and they rebuilt it. And it's a very, very small little place. I mean, just I mean, I don't even know how many people, but not very many, five hundred. Um, but it had the Native Americans named it a lot of things that made you feel like it wasn't good ground to to live on and but this little town is there and it like i said it in the turn of the century it burned down i think it maybe burnt twice and um and it's still you go there and i and i tell you you drive there and you can actually feel yourself driving through um where you feels normal and just like you know good day sun shines out thing into the radio kind of day and then all of a sudden you drive into this, like, past this one spot where all of a sudden you just feel different. And you 
feel like a heaviness in you and you feel like a trepidation and you feel this underlying like anxiety, you know, boiling underneath. And you feel that way the whole time you're there and you're there and the town is kind of, you know, it's just kind of a run of the mill, little out of your way town. It's nothing special. It's not, you know, doesn't have beautiful old buildings because those all got burnt down and it's, um, as railroad tracks and there's a lot of people with the, you know, big trucks and trailers and stuff like that because they farm or they live, you know, out in rural areas, but you get out there and it's just, it's a different vibe. The people even have a different vibe. I had the strangest experience where I was at a park and these, you know, these little, this one little girl kept looking at me and smiling at me and looking at me and smiling at me. And I waved at her and I was like, oh, what a friendly little girl. But she was fixated on me and she was with obviously her siblings. And then when she um, went to go, her older, uh, I said, a little girl waved by to me and said, bye, bye. And But the, the weird thing is that the older sister, who was probably 13 maybe, and we're walking home, she just turned around and gave me the most like just, made your blood turn cold, like, look. And um, it just, I don't know, just that place was just odd and off. And I could literally feel as I we went back into, into up the rural roads, back onto the main road, and I could literally feel like I was driving out of it. And I felt like a relief, like, ah. Hmm. And there are, there are places like that. I mean, you can feel it when you go into buildings. You can feel that heaviness. Um, there's a, um, uh, uh, I think they're brothers. Um, well, it's a family-operated business, and um, I think it's mostly the Pacific Northwest. They're, they're called the McMinimans, and they, they're, um, they buy uh, properties that are like old schools, and they renovate them, and they make them into... Uh, um, like uh, bars and pubs and, and um, restaurants and and they have they rent rooms so they're kind of like little hotels and and um, they're notorious for buying places that are haunted and they they don't they have law books when people check out they can write their ghost experiences down so they actually they, purchase if the the place is haunted that's I'm their like, motivation. I'm not sure because I've never talked to these people myself, but I know that a great many of their places are haunted and have old history to them. So, um, and so it could be either they buy them because they have, you know, their, their properties that are cheap and nobody, you know, wants, wants them and they don't want them to get torn down. They want to preserve the history. Maybe they buy them. And those places oftentimes, the ones that nobody wants to buy, oftentimes they're haunted because people go into them. A lot of people buy things that that have to, you know, you could have to put a lot of work into and fix up and everything. But some places, even if they have a lot of work and potential, people just kind of shy away from them. They won't buy it. And they, they buy those types of places. And they put the money into them and they fix them up. And oftentimes they are haunted. Mm-hmm. And. So there, I would think a great majority of their places are haunted, and um, they don't shy away from it. They're they're cool with it. In fact, they're they're they're. I think they once they find out that one of their locations is haunted, it feels to me like they kind of um, then start catering to that. 
and because um, their artwork tends to reflect it that they hang on the walls. And, is it possible that they're bringing the spirits with them? No, I don't think so, because the uh, spirits, the hauntings seem to be specific to their location. Okay. Yeah, if you look up the, the McMinimins um, uh, restaurants, um, you there are lots of stories about, you know, each restaurant and each one um, has to do with that specific um, location. My, I guess uh, my, there was one, there's one in Portland, I think where, uh, the, the restaurant is upstairs and the bar and all that. And they tend to do like the brewery thing, the, you know, those people that like beer, they tend to, you know, go to those places cause they have the, whatever those, those ales and stuff that people like. And, and apparently this, this one particular place has stairs that go under, that go underground. There's this underground area um, not quite a basement. It's more of a, un, like, kind of like in Pendleton, Oregon, they built underground so they could, in Pendleton, the Chinese built underground so they could have their own kind of city under there and they could do their own thing. And, and, um, and, but in this, in that, like in Portland, they did their underground so they could do Shanghaiing. Right. Uh, take people for human trafficking. And in this, in this particular building, they had it underground so that the men could have their gentleman's club and quote unquote gentleman's club mm-hmm. and the nefarious things they like to do that they couldn't do up above the ground. And so, uh, one of the things was, is they used to, uh, take women down there. And one of the, one of the uh, stories you can find online is one of the waitresses, uh, the servers was going downstairs to go get something. I think they, that's where they kept their wine and different things. She was going downstairs to go get something and she felt herself being lifted up like somebody was holding her over their shoulder and um, carried down the stairs. She literally was lifted up in thin air and carried down the rest of the stairs. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So that was specific to that because apparently some spirit thought, oh, yeah, okay, we're taking this one down there now, huh? And so lifted her up and carried her down. And, um, and so, yeah, suffice it to say, she was a little freaked out. (laughs) I wouldn't be going down there again. (laughs) Yeah. So that was specific to that particular, particular location. It went along with the stories of, you know, um, the men taking women down there, you know, sometimes willingly, sometimes not. And, um, and then, uh, there are several schools that they, I think, I mean, several may be an overstatement. I know of at least a couple schools that they have renovated and, and, um, they, the, the, the stories of that are of children and, um, uh, children's spirits being, being seen mm-hmm. and in that location. And then there, they have another one, um, uh, can't remember the name of the town, um, Troutdale, I think, and the building that they, that, I think that's one of their latest renovations. It's a huge building. It used to be, uh, it's a turn of the century building. It used to be a poor house and then a sanatorium and then an old person's home. And so it was several things where you get a, a lot of activity in general. Um, right. So that place is, its hauntings are, are, you know, uh, goes with that whole uh, history. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't think it's that they bring them. Um, I think that they buy them and 
whether when they renovate, because there's the, there's the theory that when people renovate buildings or homes, that it actually stirs up. It could be a lot of it could be dormant, but when they start renovating, it stirs things up and it it, it makes things more active. Probably because the spirits don't want change, I presume. Well, you know, imagine um, if you're walking around and you're uh, you're doing your thing, and you're and you and you know that you turn you go down this hall, you turn left, and you're in the sewing room, and then you go down the hall and you turn right, and you're in the kitchen, and then all of a sudden you go down the hall and there's no sewing room, and where's the kitchen? You know, and wait a minute, the sink's supposed to be over here, and you know, I mean, it it could cause a spirit to become really agitated. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, you get, you get hauntings. Sometimes it, I think it also can stir up residual energy. Um, some places I think are more apt to, to, uh, um, be, uh, to produce, uh, uh, residual energy. Some people say it's limestone. If you build over lime, um, some people say if you're built over, uh, underground water, um, there's all kinds of theories of geological reasons why there could be, um, Places that that tend to uh, absorb uh, residual energy, and so if that was a place like that, and you start to tear up a uh, building and, and start to dig the ground, and you know it, it's kind of like a think about when you dig the ground, all of a sudden you know you pull down a wall, dust goes flying everywhere. Well, it's kind of like spiritually thinking, you know, spiritual energy goes flying everywhere, and that energy if. It just if it's not helped to dissipate, it just keeps swirling, and that's I think how poltergeist activity sometimes starts. Mm-hmm. You mentioned closing a portal. I've been kind of curious about portals lately because I keep hearing various people talking about them, both in a negative sense and a positive sense. Um, do you think that portals are just places where the veil is thinner? Can I interrupt at this second? Yeah. I'd like to take a musical break because we've been going for almost half an hour. And I wanted to ask you, Val, is there a tune that you would like us to share with our listeners in alignment with what we're discussing? It can be anything you want. Just nothing by ABBA. (laughs) What? That's what I was going to pick. Actually, I really like the um, the song uh, uh, um, "Carry On My Wayward Son." Ah, great tune, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Well, it's coming up. All right, we're back. You're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff, and I'm Anna, and we are interviewing Val Fraser, right? Yeah, Val Fraser. You took my old buddy's last name. I did. I stole it right from him. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Well, he deserved it. It sounds like he deserves you too. Or maybe he doesn't deserve you. Yeah, he doesn't deserve you. Anyway, we were talking about poltergeists no, before we, uh, portals. Or portals, I, I should say. Uh, yeah, just before the song, I was wondering for whatever reason, I keep hearing about portals lately. And you mentioned that you were able to close a portal for a client. So, can you explain what is a portal? You know, um, it's an opening uh, in, uh, I think, the ether where uh, spirits can uh, come through. Um, 
you know, you would think it technically we would be able to maybe go through too, but we're not made of the same stuff. Well, we are made of the same stuff, but we have extras, you know, all this like padding we get to keep us attached to the planet. And so, but it's like a, it's a, it's either a wrist, a tear, an opening. Um, uh, some people uh, think of it like a swirling vortex. Um, I, I suppose that there are portals that probably are like that, swirling vortexes. But I, to me, it seems to me more like what you were saying, like a, a thinning in the veil where they can just kind of uh, slide on through. And this is the thing, is that spirits can probably walk right past a portal. We can probably walk right past a portal. Nothing happens. Nothing ever, uh, um, you know, it's that thinning area, you know, nothing ever comes through. And and then something can happen to draw attention to it. And, um, and then, you know, spirits will notice it. Um, or maybe, you know, it could be that there's a spirit on this side that finds it. And so um, it, it becomes a kind of a... a of, you know, revolving door for spirits. And when that happens, um, it can get pretty chaotic and hectic as far as hauntings are concerned. You can get dozens of spirits coming through and just haunting and, and annoying and sometimes terrorizing the people that live there. And, um, you know, you can get negative and positive. And um, the, the, um, the thing with the those portals is, I call them portals, but they're, you know, thinnings in the veil. The reason that those are not noticed most of the time is because, you know, it, you were doing our thing, they're doing their thing, nobody's really paying attention. And, um, and so they're not usually a problem. Okay. And, um, and of course, you know, people using, uh, using divination or, uh, witchcraft or Ouija boards or things that, that connect to the spiritual side and they don't know what they're doing or they do know what they're doing can draw. If you do that anywhere near a portal, then there you go. You got you, all of a sudden it's like green light, green light come this way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell where the portals are from a distance or do you have to go to the place where the portal is, you yourself? Well, myself, I probably could tune into them, but I don't want to because I can tend to be kind of a, um, a light. Right. Um, so I don't want to draw attention to something that doesn't have activity. So I wouldn't go searching for portals. Um, <clears throat> I would think they have a certain energy about them. So I bet i you know, I probably could, um, Probably anybody who wanted to tune into them pro- could probably find them. Um, I would think maybe even dowsing rods might be uh, a way to find them. You probably could find them with any kind of divination tool. Right. Um, it's uh, one of those things where if you go into a uh, home that has hauntings, and it's not if it's a residual haunting, it's something that happens. There's no interaction. The door closes usually between 12 and 3 a.m. Sometimes it only happens once a month. Sometimes it happens only once a week. And it's, it's kind of a, a pattern thing. And so residual energy is probably the easiest to clear out. It might take a little extra time if it's been there for a long time, but you can clear out. If you have, you know, um, 
resident ghosts that actually live there. Um, and they're just, uh, for some reason, can't let go, can't, uh, can't process what's going on. And then you, you know, I go in and I help them. I'm mm-hmm. uh, with them. I help them and, and, and I don't force anybody out I let them choose and then help them out. But if you go into a place where things are chaotic, things are just, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. This happens and that happens. And there's, and it's this energy and that's not the same energy that caused this over here. Then you need to start looking for a portal because there may be, um, there's more than likely one either close by to the property or one that is on the property or in the home. And that portal is basically a vehicle for anyone at any time in in Earth's history, correct? Or, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. How do you yourself protect yourself from the negative aspects of your job? For example, I mean, do you watch Supernatural to get some ideas as far as how you can uh, protect yourself with silver bullets and all of that fun stuff or what? That's funny. I love Supernatural, by the way. Yeah, it's a um, great show. It's, it's, it is so entertaining. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but the thing is, uh, you know, I've had people ask me that before. I've had other um, investigators from different groups ask, ask me that. And, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, protect yourself? You know, I feel like I have an energy that tries to attach to me and what do you do? How do you protect yourself? You know, it's one of those things where I can't really give a specific answer. I know that I have a strong faith and, you know, when you say that people think, um, you know, you're, you're religious, your rosary, like in Penny Dreadful and. Yeah, you know, but it's not like that. It's it's a it's a knowing. It's a feeling that you know that you know that you are protected. That you know this is what you're supposed to be doing, and because you know you're supposed to be doing it, that you are being protected because um, you're guided to who you need to go to and um, where you need to go. And if you're guided there, and I believe by you know by divine powers and you're guided there, then obviously they're not going to lead you some, you know, God's not going to leave you, lead you somewhere where you're going to be harmed. You're leading, he's leading you there to help. And, um, so I, I have this strong belief that I, I am protected. And then, um, I had a, a priest once tell me, um, he said, you're, you're, you know, you are special. And he goes, and you have many on on the, on with you that are thankful to you and they help protect you. And so I feel like everywhere I go, I got my ghost posse with me. The ones that I've helped, the ones that I've, um, you know, given assistance to, they come with me and they, you know, they will help me. And, um, I, I, so I tell people, you know, whatever faith you have, whatever your faith is in, it's in God. If, you know, if, you know, you believe in, just universal power, you know, positive, you believe in love is just your faith. If you, whatever your faith is, and I tell my clients this too, um, you need to find it and you need to, um, be really, uh, invested in it and believe it, believe it, Mm -hmm. own it and, and, uh, own it, accept it and don't doubt it. 
And um, that I believe that's what helps you most. I now, guess atheists are screwed then, hey? What's that? Atheists are screwed then. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, no, they are not. They can believe in positive things. I mean, well, this, yeah. I have not had, let's see, I've had different uh, people of different faiths call me in. I'm trying to think of if I've ever had an atheist call me, and I don't think I have. Because they wouldn't pick up on it because it doesn't, it isn't encompassed by their belief system. Yeah, that makes sense. But what if uh, that atheist was picked up like you were talking about that girl, <laughs> all of a sudden they're flying through the air. They're going to be going, well, maybe there is something to all this stuff. Their belief system would definitely be challenged. Yeah. 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 And I've had, I've had people that have told me, I don't believe in this stuff, but... Can you come over? Because I think something's happening in my house. Maybe you could help me figure it out. And uh, and usually by the end, they do have more of a respect for the fact that there may be things that, you know, just because in their mind it doesn't exist doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, you know, I've had people definitely kind of loosen up their belief system so that they are, are uh, not so... Uh, stoic as far as, you know, it's only what you can see, hear, smell, and touch, and that's it, and there's nothing else, and blah, blah, blah. Right. And until something they can't see or hear touches them, and then all of a sudden they're like, help! <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when you show up in your 1950s hearse? Yeah, right. <laughs> wearing the costume of a Ghostbuster. Oh, wow, wouldn't that be fun? Who are you going to call? The siren going. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, maybe remind the listeners because it was a while ago. How did you get into all of this stuff in the first place? Was it something that you had as a young child? Did it come, you know, come along later on in life? How did this all happen for you? Well, um, I, I. Remember, as a child, for the very first time being introduced to the paranormal was my grandmother, who was um, half uh, Yaqui Indian. Uh, so she was, you know, kind of rooted in old belief. And um, and I was 11 years old at the time. And I remember um, they, my mother and her, um, they were, she, she was a very little lady. And they went somewhere. They came home, and, and my mother's telling me, okay, so she sets down this package in front of me, and she tells me, um, you're, um, so you're, we went to go see a white witch, and here's the things, the instructions, and here are the things she wants you to do, because your grandmother has been, and your aunt, has, um, actually she would have been my great aunt, has been seeing and hearing um, things in the house. And so um, your grandmother would like you to do this. And so it was a seven-day ritual where seven days I had to go to the most haunted room and sit and read from the Bible. I had to light a candle first. But first of all, I had to go through the and with rose oil and um, holy water and put and do, you know, all the windows and doors and say whatever I said. I don't even remember now. 
And then, and then I had to start the ritual. I had to be at seven o'clock and I had to go for seven days and I had to do it for an hour in the haunted room. And that's when I started having my first paranormal experience. When she gave me that package and told, told me, um, you know, read the instructions and you do this for your grandmother. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was thinking, oh my gosh, she's crazy old lady. You know, <laughs> and they really need to, you know, stop doing this silly stuff because, you know, it's not good for their minds. And they probably just got taken for all this money. And, and I'm just shaking my head going, oh boy, okay, I'll do it. Sure. You know, cause at that point I'm thinking it's just a bunch of, you know, hooey and not, you know, not going to, just something that, that they paid for to make them feel better. And, and it's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong in this house. And, and, um, cause I never had any, any paranormal experiences in this house. And, um, but when I started doing this, this stuff and all of a sudden it's like, I'm being, um, having experiences, being, having voices, um, call my name and, and knocking on the window and, yeah, it was pretty pretty creepy for a kid. At 11 years old, I may have been full grown and everything, but I was still a kid, and it was it was unnerving, and I didn't know what to think about it. And then when we moved to Oregon, we moved to a house out in Drain. Um, this was like three months after I had done the the exorcism, and it did it did clear it. it I noticed after it was done, the house had this aroma of flowers and I did never noticed it before, but the house, even though you had windows, you know, everywhere was always seemed dark inside. And after I finished the seven days, it was, it means light came in the windows. It was, it was like a normal, you know, house with light coming through the windows and, and there were no, it was no darkness anymore. And, um, it was definitely a different feel in the house. And, um, but when we moved up here to Oregon, when I was a kid, um, three months after I had done that, we moved to a place um, in Drain, and um, I had that's where I started to get really um, lots of you know typical haunting stuff starting to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, then I started to research and I started to look into it, and I found that you really can't find much except for occult stuff, right? Um, and then you know old spiritualism stuff from the turn of the century. Um, you can't really find a lot. And, uh, and I tried to talk to my mother who, you know, just pooed me, you know, silly kid and sort of thing. And so I had to learn all this stuff by myself. And when I got to the point where I was old enough and I felt like I had enough people coming to tell me all the time, and I don't know why they were telling me, because I never told them about any of this. People were always telling me stuff. You know, I had the weirdest dream. Oh, you know, I was walking through my house and, and I felt like this. Somebody was following me, and I stopped and I heard two or three footsteps going, continuing behind me, and then stopping. And then people would tell me this this stuff. I see dead people. (laughs) I see dead people. (laughs) I related to that movie, by the way. I'm sure you did. (laughs) Yeah, I'm serious. I after I did that with my grandmother, it seemed like I couldn't go anywhere without experiencing something. It's like everything new, I was available and open and they just, I mean, I would get, I would walk by things I could, I could feel and see and hear. And it, it was really unnerving. And, and I got to the point where I was able, um, I think with a lot of prayer and just study and just learning things on my own. And, and then I think also just not being fearful 
Um, that's really the key, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You just can't be fearful. You, you have to realize that we're all in this together and there's a reason for everything. We may not know it, what the reason is, you know, uh, at this point, and we may not know this may all be some sort of scientific thing that can be proven, you know, a hundred years from now, 50 years from now. But right now people are, people are suffering from what they're going through. And I remember being alone and not having anybody to help me or to, you know, guide me. And, and so I, after I realized people were just coming to me all the time, whether I asked, I didn't ask for it. Um, I realized that maybe I'm supposed to be doing something with this. Maybe I'm supposed to, you know, when people come answer the call and go. And so I started doing that and stuff. I mean, people just started clients and cases just started coming to me like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's been slowing down, which makes me a little, uh, when it first started slowing down, it made me a little nervous. Cause I'm like, why is, why is everything, why is all the spiritual activity receding? You know, what's happening that's making it that happen. That's because your president has scared them all away. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in his head. Exactly. <laughs> He hasn't scared them away. He's drawn them all yeah, to Washington. Yeah, they're all inside of his core, <laughs> all bouncing around in his head. Did you hear oh. about his latest thing? Wanting oh. to register... People's genitals. Oh, my God. Yeah. The genital database. What? He, yep. He wants people to be identified by their their sex, by their genitals. So he he's trying to eliminate people's ability to self-identify and the way that he's proposing to do that is to do dna testing to identify what their their chromosome sex is and in the case of uh, ambiguity i think simply identify what their genitals are as a way to uh, basically discriminate against homosexuals or transgender or whatever people that aren't hetero it's bizarre that's all i can say yeah my condolences we don't live in the states like you do yeah yeah you guys have a guest quarters yeah yeah we do actually come on i've told jay to to bring you guys up here but he hasn't followed through Oh, that guy's so busy. He's so busy. He's yeah. doing magic schools like crazy right now. Going to Portland to do one in the morning tomorrow. Then he's driving back to do one in the afternoon tomorrow afternoon. Doing a what? Magic shows. Oh, cool. Oh, right. Your husband yeah. is a magician and yeah. you're a ghostbuster. That is a, a perfect combo. Yeah, my, my, our son, uh, Caleb, said that he told his, his he was at um, school one day, and they're like, he was talking to a friend of his, um, his best friend actually lives here in the neighborhood. He's like, he tells, they were talking, she's like, oh, my parents, you know, do, 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 what do your parents do? And then he's like, well, my dad's a magician, and my mother's a ghost hunter. And he's, she's like, ha, 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 very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Good to, good to see that you are living normal, square, 
you know, conventional lives. lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's us, you know, hmm. boring, boring. Hey, bef- so boring. Before you go, I, I wanted to ask you one more question. You were mentioning at the beginning of the show about maybe the, the veil is thinner or thicker at this particular time. And so were you suggesting that if th- that we have fluctuations in the density of the veil between dimensions and is it possible that there's times when it's easier for for people who die to pass to pass through the veil and other times when it's harder? Oh, that's an interesting thought. I never, you know, you were very thought provoking. <laughs> You're making my brain spin here. I um obviously I need to talk to you talk to you more often so you can put these great thoughts in my head. Um, I will do it once a week <laughs> at midnight. I have what's that at midnight at midnight, the witching hour. Um, so, uh, you know, that's an interesting thought. I feel like, uh, when a person passes, um, they have, you know, up to three months and I, I can't tell you why I think that or where that came from. It just feels like this is knowledge I've been given. They have up to three months to hang out here um, to kind of, you know, give support and encouragement and help to their family members before they leave and to feel good that everything's going to be okay and they can they can go ahead and, and ascend, you know, to uh, where they're going to go. And um, But the ones that are, that get stuck are usually stuck because that something went very dysfunctional at the end of their lives, very dysfunctional. Now this doesn't happen all the time, but, um, those, those are the ones that may have, they already already are probably going to have trouble, um, you know, getting through unless they have, you know, family members that can help them on the other side, unless they have family members that get them ready and, and prepare them. And so that they can, if, you know, if they know in advance, they can, um, you know, make that transition, you know, as effortlessly as possible. But then there are those that are, don't have that support either spiritually or on the physical side. And if the veil is thicker, they may have problems getting through, um, because they probably would have had in the, in, in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, but that makes sense. That makes sense. I so am definitely different, different, um, you know, for, for each person. Yeah, I, I certainly I, I've done a fair bit of hospice work, sitting with people uh, when they're dying. And I have this sort of, I don't know, theory that it doesn't like you were saying before about your protection. It doesn't really matter so much what your belief is but that you have a belief. And if you don't, it's, it's easy to be confused after death and not really have any ideas to what's supposed to happen next or, or where you should go or to be able to perceive the assistance that is there spiritually. Mm -hmm. And it seems like I also have noticed that people, if they don't have, some sort of positive belief about the afterlife, it makes it harder for them to let go. Yeah. Cause they think this is all there is. Yeah. 
when you think this is all there is, you cling to it even harder. And uh, that, to me, that's sad, you know. And, and I, whenever people, you know, tell me, you know, I, you know, you just die and that's it. You just, you know, you become worm food and that's the end of that. And there's nothing else and stuff like that. And and I'm I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I, that's a sad way to think. But I said there are a lot of things in this world that you know we can't see, and but it doesn't make it not real. And yeah, I tell them, I tell them, you know, it's. There is more, you know, I feel like, you know, they may go, yeah, right. Roll their eyes at you. But I feel like everything you say and everything you do plants a seed. You can plant a negative seed. You can plant a positive seed. Yeah. And, um, and so I go ahead and say what I say, because I'm hoping that little seed just plants in there. And then maybe one day, you know, when it's needed, it'll get the water that it needs and, and uh, it'll, it'll grow and, and it'll maybe help them at some point later on in life. And so, but if you don't plant the seed, nothing can grow. Yes. um, I I've also experienced that when people get closer to death, the veil seems to thin for them and they start to see things, even if they have been atheists, they'll frequently begin to see things that they can't explain. And it opens up the possibility for them. Mm -hmm. So I, the thing is, is that, you know, as long as they didn't have too much uh, propaganda about, yeah, it's just, you know, your neurons firing and, you know, that's all it is, that sort of thing. And yeah. Some people can, ra- people can rationalize anything away. This is true. Mm-hmm. So with all of the stuff that you do, how do you think it's impacted your life? Are you glad that you have this gift? Or is it sometimes a burden? Oh, you know, I would say when I was younger, it felt like a burden because I felt like I was um, being bombarded and I had no, no idea why. And I didn't really know. And all all I felt like I was just, you know, things were coming at me, uh, uh, visions, thoughts, uh, spirits, uh, people's emotions, um, uh, people's people's thoughts and it was just everything coming at me boom 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 I felt like I was just constantly just just deflecting everything away and it was so hard and it was so much work and when I finally decided you know what I need to just stop being fearful and obviously it's it's for a reason and I just you know prayed and you know asked God to just help me to be receptive in the way that he wants me to be and and do what he wants me to do with it. And, and I did. And then all of a sudden it just became just part of who I am, you know, like having black hair and black eyes, it's just the way I am. And, uh, and now I feel like it's other than sometimes I have to say, uh, sometimes it can be uh, a little overwhelming trying to balance your regular life, you know, like, cooking, cleaning, and, you know, taking care of your grandkids and, you know. Just have Jay do all that. Yeah, do all of that, you know, stuff, and then go to work, and then also, you know, fix, you know, fit in, you know, this client and their needs, and when I can, you know, go see them, and when I can, how I can help them, and then, you know, praying about things and working on energy and 
fitting all that in sometimes can be a little overwhelming, but you know, I, I just have to learn to take breaks for myself when I need to. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a long break. It's just, you know, enough time for me to kind of recenter, reflect, focus and, and be, I find that just being grateful for everything that you have really helps you to just kind of rebalance, recenter and, get to that point where you can, you can handle things again. And um, just taking those that meditation moment to be thankful and grateful and focus on all those things, um, no matter how small, um, really helps. Yeah, that's lovely. It, it does frequently come down to gratitude, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it, and, and the same thing when you're dealing, when I'm dealing with somebody who has a haunting, you know, they're focused. They're focused on the negative. They watch too much. TV and they watch too many of the ghost shows where everything is evil. Everything is evil. You know, it's all demons, all evil. Oh, it wants to kill. It wants to maim. It wants to, you know, and the thing is, is that that's, that's rare. And, um, most of the time it's just a regular haunting. And my thing is to get the people balanced again, get them, get, have them get perspective again, show them, you know, the, that you can't focus on the dark and the negative because when you do that and the fearful, because you tend, that's what you tend to, the energy you put out there is the, so the haunting will tend to kind of reflect that. Um, once you get rid of all that and you start to be focused on the positive and like, well, how many times a week does that happen? Oh, it happens like two or three times. Oh my gosh. I'm like, okay, so those two or three times, what, what is the, um, how long duration would you say that happens? Oh, I don't know. It's like two or three seconds. It happens. And I'm like, then how much, how many minutes do you have in a day? And they're like, Oh, I'm like, okay. So let's kind of, you know, it's all what you focus on. Yeah. Let's get perspective here. Okay. Cause, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's disconcerting at the moment, but it's just a moment, you know? And so let's focus on, focus on everything else. And when that happens, I'll give you tools to deal with it and I'll help you. But don't let, don't blow it out of proportion that one second and make it encompass your whole day. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, uh, just helping people to get that, you know, get that balance back. And, uh, cause they tend, some people tend to get really freaked out and I tell them, you know, it's it's just a door. It's a door that creaked. It opened. Yeah, it moved a little bit. And energy moved it. But it's just a door. (laughs) That's it. You know? But if you get thrown through the air, that's not just the door creaking. That's a door blowing open. If you get thrown through the air, then we need to do, then you need, yeah, then you need, you, you have, you have, reason to be concerned and i can help with that too so cool yeah Mm -hmm. so you're probably going to have to have your own personal jet (laughs) oh my gosh no i don't want to fly no where's that hurts with the siren you were talking about (laughs) (laughs) right very cool so what other tune would you like to share with the listeners what would you like them to hear oh wow Oh, you know what's really the fun tune is the theme to the exorcist. 
Really? Really. Yeah, I think it's, uh, to me, that tune, uh, it, it illustrates how emotions and fears can be manipulated. And if you can listen to that tune and think of it and just just appreciate the, the melody of it and appreciate the kind of um, mystical transcendence of it and not be fearful, that to me is like a great exercise in learning to um, see things as they are and not, not as, you know, the world would like to manipulate you into seeing it. Well, so, it shall be done. If it's too creepy for you, then there's always um, uh, the Ghostbusters theme. That's always fun. <laughs> I played. I think I played that one for the listeners when we interviewed you the last time. But yeah, it's been a couple of years, so maybe I'll even do them both. I'm actually really curious to listen to that Exorcist theme yeah. now. So I think we'll play it. Okay. So we've been interviewing my best buddy from college, his wife, Val, Val Fraser. And I really enjoyed this interview. What do you think, Anna? Yeah, actually, I really always enjoy listening to Val and her perspective on spirit mm -hmm. because it's very down to earth and very sensible, which is the last thing you really expect from someone who practices ghost busting. So thanks again, Val. And we're going to have you on the show again real soon and tell your much worse half that I want to have him on the show too. Okay. I will. He's got the, he's got the voice for radio. I almost said face. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it. I didn't have to. <laughs> he's always saying it. He says it so much that it, it, he's, uh, he's ingrained me to say it for him. <laughs> <laughs> it was really great talking to you. It was great talking to you guys. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Shift Happens, our interview with Val Fraser on Kootenai Co-op Radio. So you've been tuned in to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. So the plan for next week is to play the interview that we did with Val's husband, Jay. Who is a certified skeptic and a or magician. I was magician? Say, I was going to say he was a musician. Well, he might be one of those too. No, I don't think so. Not from what I remember. I think he played the radio or something before. Anyway, that'll be next week. So hopefully you enjoyed the show. And hopefully you're enjoying your day, eh?